morning. This is Roy Moore, and this is What Did It Take? Today, I'm going to be speaking with Dante Roll, a foreman with Hendrick Brothers Construction Company in West Palm Beach, Florida. A little background on Dante. He's actually my cousin. We grew up together. Um, we're even more than cousins. We're brothers. Every summer, I remember us going fishing, running through the backyard, getting in trouble, you know, punishment. And then doing it all over again in that summer. It was awesome. It was great. It was a great time. And now here he is, the foreman for a major construction company in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's a beautiful thing. How you doing, Dante? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, cuz. Love you, man. Thank you for being on here. Love you too, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, so let's get into it, man. You know, I know that you and I talk all the time about uh, our dreams, goals, and aspirations and stuff. But um, let's, um, I would like you to share with the listeners. What was your inspiration for going into construction? I, what was that, man? What pushed you that way? My dad really was my inspiration for it. Uh, he owned property. So as, when I was younger, me and my brother, basically he made us work with him. Um, so that's basically got my, my foot in the door with it, being around him, being involved in it 100%. Um, he basically would take us uh, certain summers. We'd get up six in the morning, get home at 10. Me and my brother around this time, I was probably six, maybe seven. So that was like the whole summer. That was Monday through Sunday. So that's that's really how I got started with construction, just from my dad and him managing his properties and him teaching me to trade. What, um, so, okay, I can understand that. Cause I remember <clears throat> those mornings. Well, most of the time, if sometimes y'all, you and Fred was there, other times y'all wasn't because you all, as you just said, you was working with your dad and I was working with my dad. And as you know, I came into the Marine Corps. I had to break contact, man. But what made you, um, so not only, so I understand that your dad introduced you to it, and it started uh, started you on a path looking outward from the areas and what we was growing up in. But what made you stick to it? What made you? Because right now you you're a foreman, which is I'm pretty certain you running your job sites right now. So, what made you stick stick to construction, man? Um, really, I just was so comfortable with it because it's like I said, I have been doing it since I was a kid. So, I just it was just was a natural natural to do it um i realized i can make good money and i knew that it was south florida so we're always building there's always going to be work so i knew i could always eat i would always have a grind you know i'd always have a hustle and i remember um y'all went back in high school you you and fred you and Fred went to school for construction. Right? Yes. Uh, no. 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 Well, no. My brother went to school. Yeah. We were we were both originally supposed to go, but at that time I was rebellious, so I didn't go. I ended up going for auto body, but I was supposed to originally go for construction. They did. Have, uh, my my high school uh -huh. did have a construction program. And you said, uh, okay, yeah, I remember that part now. Yeah, yeah. You said you just uh, threw deuces. You want to do what you want to do. Yeah. But the thing, but the thing is. You still came back to it, so which, which, in my opinion, you consider it your calling. Being that um, you learned um, a completely different trade, and you still ended up 
Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say exactly where you started, but you still ended up on the path that you started on initially. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. You could call it that. Yeah. All right. All right. So over time, being that um, the construction, the construction arena, I call it, in South Florida is very competitive and very, very robust. What, um, how did you, how did you maintain your perseverance, man? How did you understand the game this long? Well, when I got to Hedrick Brothers, I surrounded myself around a lot of the old school cats, guys that knew what they were doing, and I learned from them. And they were willing to teach me because they realized that I had a great work that a great work ethic. They, you know, they liked my attitude. I came ready to work, ready to learn. And because uh, a lot of younger folks, when I when I first started, I was 18, so a lot of the other young guys weren't weren't really willing to learn, and they didn't really want to work. Everybody was lazy, so a lot of the older guys was like gravitating towards me and was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna show you, young man, what to do." So uh, that's how I really got in and learned a lot more of things to come. And so, and so in a way, you can say um, education enable you. Well, I wouldn't say enable you, but education was a facilitator. Yeah. To helping you, to helping you get into where you are right now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And what, in, in your position right now, you say you're, you're a foreman, right? Yes, I am a foreman. So what what, what is that? What are, like, break that down. What was what, that? So the foreman is basically, you're a manager of the job. You're just basically there to manage. You manage the guys. Anything that's going on, you're a manager. That's the simplest term. So also, let's break it down. So we'll go to, you have your project manager, which is the PM. He's the one that's in charge of everything, basically the budget, the different contractors, and then you have your superintendent. I'm sorry, you had a PA, your project administrator. They handle all the, you know, making sure the billing, the deliveries and the scheduling. Then you had a superintendent. He's the field general. It's he's in control of the job. He hires and fires anyone. It's not the project manager that fires or hires anyone. That's that's all on the super. So the super controls everything. Then you have your foreman, which is me, which I'm the manager. So then you also have your lead man, which is basically the eyes and ears of everything, making sure the guys are working, doing what they're supposed to do, a competent guy. Then you go to your carpenters. That's the guys that the nuts and bolts, they put things together. If you need something built, something framed up, then you have your carpenter's helper. And then you have your laborer. And uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. <clears throat> so, so now that you're a foreman, your next step, uh, I well, your next promotion will be superintendent. Then, correct? Yes, the, they would put me. I and I missed one. I'm sorry, but you also have your assistant superintendent. So my next step for me to level up, I would become an assistant uh, superintendent. And so, so for you right now, uh, being that. Um, well, you 28 right now, right? 31. You 31? Yeah. My bad, man. I've been away for too long, man. It's all like, good. And y'all getting old. Well, if y'all getting old, then what that <laughs> what that say about me, right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, because it's just like, you know, 
I know I, I come back every now and then. Well, I come back every now and then. But it's like, you know, it's just like when I left, everybody, we, was, we were all so young, you know? Yeah, I was a baby yeah. when you left, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was the youngest and one. Now everybody, <laughs> I'm 30, I'm 32, I'm 33. And it's like, man, you know? But anyway, so so now you're moving on. You 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 eventually move on to um, the the assistant super and superintendent. What's um? So you've been doing this for over ten years now, right? What what's your uh? What's the end state goal for you? Like where where? What do you see yourself? When you are, you meet a, you find a position to where you say, like I'm at the top, or is there a position where you say you're at the top? Honestly, I, I really don't have a position right now. I'm taking it as it comes. I started out. I'm a foreman right now, so they I do have an assistant super position waiting for me. But my end goal, really, my job is just a stepping stone for what I really want to do. So I'm really getting into real estate and uh, being an entrepreneur, flipping houses. So I just use my job to fund my projects right now. So I'm not really dead set on trying to have a title. You know what I mean? This is all it ends to a mean. This is just to get me where I need to go because eventually I'll be working for myself and have my own thing going. So I don't plan to work, you know, for this company and retire like that, you know? All right, good. Good. And uh, speaking of flipping houses, you just purchased your first property, right? Not too long ago. Yeah. Yes, I just purchased. Uh, last year I purchased my first investment property. So, you know. I'm ready. I'm in the game right now. You know, I'm, I jumped in and I'm ready to make cool. a big splash. So I guess you can say your your uh, your source for persevering, this hunger, this insatiable appetite you have, is to um to build wealth. Absolutely, to build generational wealth. That's my main goal. Yes, to build generational wealth. Um, I want to basically put myself in a position that uh, a lot of my family members and you know that they couldn't you know but I want to do it quicker and like I said I want to make sure my kids have something and their kids and so on down the line you know so that's my main goal yeah because you can't get nobody you can't pass on your job can you no, nah, you can't pass on the job so <laughs> I got to make sure they have assets and things that they can you know, flip and do what they need to do, you know, to build whatever. Basically, I'm just setting the groundwork, you know. Yes. My kids will take over whatever I leave for them, and they'll keep it going. If they make it 10 times better than me, I'm all for that. I'm not I'm not setting my ways about how I want them to do it. As long as they keep it going and they pass it on and they keep this thing going, man. All right. Okay, so in that in that case then, because you started this this construction, you got into this life with um you already have a uh, a predetermined destination in your mind and you're simply using this um your current position as a vehicle to get you there. Absolutely. What uh when it, in a way of maintaining your mental elasticity, maintaining 
I guess in simple terms, maintaining your resilience, always being able to bounce back and keep going. What um, what are some systems that that you've created for yourself to to build and sustain your own resilience, going coming up through this industry? Because 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 growing up in growing up in, in South Florida, and again in that construction arena, is is very um. It can it, it it's a doggy dog world more more so than people realize when it comes to construction, and you got in it when you was eighteen. Granted, we had uh, family members doing it. Like you were eighteen, you 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 were a grown man. You had to go out there and make your name for yourself. You couldn't ride on nobody's coattails. So how do you um how do you sustain your resilience through all that? Constantly learning, um, not being stuck in my ways, and uh, just really uh, getting with people that knew what they were doing and learning from them. You know, I was humble enough to learn from everybody. I didn't just look at a person, you know, like if they knew something, I wanted to know how to do it. I asked questions so I could figure things out. When you, when you say, um, you said not stuck in your ways. What do you mean? What do you like? Elaborate on that. Okay. So when I was younger, I was always kind of closed minded. Um, I didn't really want to. If it didn't go the way I felt like it went, then I didn't want to do it. So it was more so just getting out of my own way and just just understanding that it's more than one way to do things. It's not a set way. You don't have to put yourself in a box. So, so essentially, you had to change your perspective. Yes, I absolutely. How difficult was that? Was that was that challenging? Very challenging. Um, it took a little time, you know, because when you when you're set in in a certain way, you know, that's what you're most comfortable with. So it took a little, you know, a little inner work. You know, I had to work on myself to break out of those habits of being set in my ways. So I just got used to. Um, to being uncomfortable. You know, that was a big thing that I had to deal with, being uncomfortable. So I got more and more comfortable with being uncomfortable, and that allowed me to grow. Well, that's great. That's, you know what? That's, that's that's awesome that you said that because all the leadership books and, and things I've uh, read on resilience, as a, as across the majority of them, there's a common theme of growth doesn't occur in your comfort zone and the fact that you that you recognize that in order for you to grow in order for you to leverage the new perspective that you have you had to become comfortable being uncomfortable which most people and I'm pretty sure you've seen it most people aren't comfortable well I wouldn't say they aren't comfortable most people refuse to be comfortable being uncomfortable because it's all it's again it's like you said it's always that it, those individuals that want to stay in a comfort zone they want to stay in that familiar area and when things don't go their way or when things don't work out how they feel it should work out then it's it's somebody else's fault or yeah or it's either someone else's fault it's unfair um it's not right I'm being, you know, I'm being targeted. It's always, it's always an excuse. Never, it's always an excuse. To, it's always an excuse to why the person lost or why the person didn't end up where they wanted to end up. 
and and individuals they remain in these these downward cycles and never get never get anywhere in life and then when you run across them five years later they always hit you with oh where you been I ain't see you in a while let me hold something <laughs> You know, no, you know what I'm talking about, that, man. Man, so, I know it all too well. You, all too well. You can hold, you know what I'm saying? You can hold some advice. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't got nothing for you, so, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got nothing for you, man. It's yeah, space and opportunity. Nothing. Go ahead and get it. Just like yeah, I did. As, as, exactly. And you know, it's, um, that's a difficult, that's a difficult thing. And, and you did it at such a young age. Yeah. That was, that was a difficult space for you to come into to realize right i'm i'm not i'm i i don't you you essentially had to acknowledge that you had to acknowledge your ignorance when it came to your arena so like, I, I don't know all this stuff and you said it earlier you said not only did uh you had you had to break your old ways but you had to you had to become humble and listen you had to become you had to become coachable. How was how was that? Because and I'm and I'm asking because I know how I know how we were raised. We was raised by a bunch of alphas. Well, man, all the men and the women in our lives were alphas, and it's like you know, for speed for me to become humble, it was it was challenging. And I was in the Marine Corps. So how, how, how was it for you to, like, humble yourself and to allow a complete stranger to, t- to teach you this new thing? It, it wasn't really hard because I never really, um, I took criticism very well. A lot of people always told me that. I never really took things to heart if people criticized me on something that I was doing. I didn't never, I never took it too personal. So it, it really mm-hmm. didn't take much for me to really humble myself, you know? Good. So, so, and so in other words, so uh, you elevating your perspective was uh, more challenging than the humbling, humbling part. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much because I already knew I knew I know where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And the only way I could do that was to open myself up to new ways of doing things. And I had to. that's what made me realize, like, I'm not going to get to where I want to go being stuck in this one way. It's not going to get me to my end goal. OK. So now this uh this change in perspective. That That's really what it was all about. How how did it how did it resonate throughout your entire life and not just your professional life? Really, uh, it changed me because I started getting into reading. I started getting into books. I was all, I always loved reading as a kid, so that was like second nature to me. So I started reading different books on all different topics, not just one genre. So I used to just read a lot of books i started i would be on youtube looking at certain videos of like stuff that's not even in my field just you know broadening my horizon on a lot of things and i was always interested in wanting to learn or how do you do this or how do you do that so it just little small little things like that you know i started picking up and it really helped me now that being said from then to now what are three lessons that you that you've learned that you wish you knew at the beginning of this journey? My three lessons that I should have known at the beginning? 
I would have to say not being afraid to fail, self-confidence, and open-mindedness, being open-minded. When you say uh, not being afraid or not being afraid to fail, for, for the listeners, elaborate on that from your perspective, the significance of not, not being afraid to fail. Okay, so, so, okay, so when I say being uh, not being afraid to fail, like at work, if it was certain projects that we had to do, I was always more conscious of if I messed up, you know, how it would look or people would see that I didn't know what I was doing, you know, that's things of that nature, you know, which it really didn't matter if I did it wrong or right. I was I was limiting myself to not trying things because I was always worried if it didn't come out right, people would say something or they would have remarks. So, so in essence, it wasn't necessarily the failure you were concerned about. It was the the the, the level of criticisms. Yeah, you could say that. And so what? So now in uh, in retrospect, when you did. When you did come to the point to where you no longer cared about those criticisms, which in a, which in turn enabled you to get over your fear of failure, what was the what was the result of that? The result was that I take on any task, big or small, it didn't matter what it was, and I would have the confidence that man, I'm gonna get it done, and it's gonna be done right. Well, you know, let me rephrase the question: in relation to your success, what was the result of that? What was the result? Yeah, in relation to your success. Oh, that's that's really what got me put up the ladder because the reason why I say that I was limiting myself to opportunities at work to do certain things. So once I started to do certain more stuff, you know, people were realizing that, hey, man, this guy, he can go places. You know, they start realizing that, man, we could trust him to do certain things. We they could really see what I was working with. You know, I was limiting myself to showing what I re- what I was really capable of. So, so in essence, you were so concerned about. So, I wouldn't say. So, once you did get over it, you stop. You stopped being so concerned about what could go wrong, and became more focused on what could go right, and it enabled your growth and facilitated your self confidence. Right, and it, when I say that, it wasn't always worried about what people would say because certain things that I didn't know how to do, I was kind of like psyching myself, like, man, I ain't never really did it, but I I was like kind of hesitant to do it instead of doing it so that I could learn and see the process. So I don't want to make it like it was just, I was always worried about criticism, you know, it wasn't just the criticism, it was myself not feeling like I might not be confident enough to do it. And and again, I'm glad you phrased it that way, you end up like psyching yourself out. Right, that's basically what I was doing. Now for, for your, um, follow-on sessions, which which one of the lessons or what lesson would you like to speak to the readers about? I, I apologize, listeners out there. We've been talking about books so, so long, thinking about it, we're writing. Uh, so what, what would you like to speak to the listeners about? I would like to speak to the re- to the listeners about uh, self-confidence. That's a, That was the main thing for me, self-confidence and having... Um, just having the confidence to do certain things, man. Um, I, I struggled with that for a while because I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't the best at everything. 
You know, like I said, I would always psych myself out of stuff before I even tried it. I would always say, nah, I'm probably not that good. So-and-so probably does that better, you know? And this whole time. And the funny thing about self-confidence, because because I can tell you I've been there as well. That whole, when it comes to self-confidence, why you're actually skillful and you actually are as good as you think you are. But when you start uh, doing that self-sabotage, you got people who are half, not even half as talented as you, out there doing what they want to do, out there doing what you want to do, and all because they had they had the confidence to either the confidence or the ignorance, whichever one you want to call it. But whatever they had, they it, they still took that that step while we were still standing here with our hands in our Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen it a lot. So I was like, never again, man. I'm 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 shooting for the stars, yeah. man. I'm going for the moon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm taking it all. I ain't taking no for an answer. <laughs> all right, Dante. Well, that um that's that that wraps up our first interview with, with Dante. Please stay tuned for his follow-on sessions that, that will be released later this year. Um, Dante, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I know uh, today is your off day, you know, but I thank you for uh, sacrificing the time and come on and sharing your why with the listeners. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, it's no problem, brother. So to all the listeners out there, stay safe. Stay hungry and keep learning. I'm Roy Moore, and this is What Did It Take?